Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on November the 29th, 2022. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, taking up the first officer seat, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will be going over our November Game Club, which is Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion. We'll be telling y'all the Game Club game for December. And we've got a few things in the news uh, and the community corner. Uh, Russian agents kill three cosplayers. Valve requests Steam Deck user return the turkey fryer it sent. And loot box bill filed in Australia. And I just realized I marked all of those under the community corner. And that's not true. That's why I stumbled for a moment. I'll fix it. We'll fi- fix it in post. No, you won't. But those are the news topics. Hello, Rach. Hello. How are you? Um, all right. Had a interesting day uh, out and about. Returned a game to the library. Very cool. Well, it's also cool that they have games, right? Yeah. I haven't been to my library, my local library since COVID. I should go see what they've got now. They had a decent selection for as small of a town as I live in. We had a pretty good library. Well, the thing is that, okay, my town is pretty small, but... Uh, it's part of the bigger library system in the state. And, uh, well, two weeks ago, because the, yep, the video game, uh, borrows are two weeks. Uh, got a book and a game and <laughs> the librarian didn't realize that they had games. <laughs> yeah. Because I guess nobody, uh, or I should say the one librarian, the other one had been, had been there for a long time, so. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it just caught her off guard. Uh, but I hadn't quite beaten it, so I'll probably borrow it again in a couple weeks. And I finish it off. Since it's a Switch game, you know, it just saves to the Switch. So, right? Yeah. I uh, did not have an interesting day. I didn't have a bad day. I had a busy day. But, you know, that's every day for me. Uh, I did get really pissed off at the state licensing board again, but you what, know, what it's they just do now? general. It's just general incompetence that I've come to expect. Was it run by Sarah? <laughs> it maybe I don't think so, but maybe uh, even even she's actually. She, yeah, I've said this before. She's competent at her job, so no, this lady is terrible at her job. So. I have called her, uh, what's her name? Starts with an S. Sylvia. I'm just going to say Sylvia. That's wrong. I really don't give a shit. Her name, from here, henceforth, her name is Sylvia. I have called Sylvia over the course of the last month since I got the first email that was like, hey, we need some paperwork from you, which I had to upload. It's impossible to complete the application without sending them that paperwork. But fine. I have I have called her eight times, left three messages. She's never called me back. She's never returned any of my messages. I have emailed back and forth about a dozen emails with her, uh, of which she apparently doesn't read my email. And so I didn't hear from her for two weeks. 
I figured, you know, the offices were closed for a whole week for Thanksgiving. So nothing I could really do then. So yesterday, I was like, it's been two weeks. I sent him this paperwork. I haven't heard anything back. There's no updates in the online status. I'm going to try and get in touch with again. So I called. I left two messages. I sent her an email. And, I, you know, the email was like, hi, I haven't heard from you in a couple weeks. The board meets next week. I want to make sure my certification goes through. Can you confirm that all of my paperwork is now in good standing? She emailed me back today at 4.50 Central Time. because they Pretty are... much the, she hit send and out the door. Yes, yes, 100%. Because they're, they're in Nashville, which is in Central Time. So, you know, 4.50 Central Time, I get this email that says, I have never received the documentation from you. I'm like, bitch, it's in the email chain. It's right there. So I took screenshots. And I responded with screenshots. It and I said, I said, hello, here are screenshots showing that I sent you the documentation two weeks ago. However, for your convenience, I have re-uploaded the documentation or I have, sorry, I have reattached the documentation to this email. I trust that this verification that I sent, uh, that these documents were sent two weeks ago will not impact my uh, licensure certification. I expect to receive that next Friday when the board meets. Thank you. And then I called and left a message that said basically the same thing. Like, <laughs> hi, I saw your email. I responded immediately so this can be taken care of. Since I sent you proof that you had that documentation two weeks ago and the error is on you, I expect to receive my certification next week. Please contact me. Uh, con- or Please call me back if you need to speak to me. Otherwise, I expect confirmation that you received my email. And I'm going to do that every day for the next week. <laughs> and this bitch is either going to get my shit done and I'll leave her alone or I'm going to be just the most awful harasser. <laughs> well, uh, enjoy your harassing. I will. Remember, I expect remember, to harass remember, her. Remember, that's one word. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's 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 that. Uh, I don't, yeah, you want to talk about Game Club? Oh, if we must. Wait, we must. So, Game Club, if anyone listening, this happens to be your very first episode. Hello. Uh, I think you're going to get to hear us yell about something. Maybe not literally yell, but be grumpy about something. Uh, Game Club is designed for Rage and I, and anyone else who wants to play along, to play the same game at the same time and then talk about it and give our thoughts and our feelings and our, our praise or our complaint. And for the month of November, we played sins of a solar empire rebellion, well, which attempted is in my, in my part, well, we'll get to that, which is a, a quote unquote hybrid four X real time strategy game of the sci-fi variety. It initially released, or originally released in 2008. That is the base game, Sins of a Solar Empire. It received two expansions, which Rebellion was a re-release that lumped all of the expansion content together, plus added a couple other things. And it has since received a couple of small expansions of its own. It's regularly on sale on Steam and other platforms, and the whole thing can be had for 20 bucks or less. 
on a on a regular basis. I yeah, believe I'm, I paid five bucks for mine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got mine in like a bundle somewhere. Probably humble bundle. Oh uh, yeah, uh, definitely. I see it on, uh, or at least uh, the base game on here. So, uh, I, I was poking around humble bundle. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I definitely got at least the base game on Humble Bundle. I'm not sure if I bought the game other separately or what, but yeah. And I was underwhelmed. As was I. Do you have any prior experience with Sins of a Solar Empire? None at all, and not really much in the genre either of like Space Forex. Yeah, I have a you know, touched on it a few times. Probably the most I've done is, like, Stellaris. But okay. that's uh, only just, you know, a little bit. Which I realize, very different game. Yeah. So I have played Sins of a Solar Empire, the original, back in 08, 09, something like that. And then I have previously played Rebellion. and But the last time I played it prior to playing it for Game Club was probably in 2014. So... Um, I believe I owned it actually on DVD. I think it came on a four four disc DVD box set. Mm. I believe. Um, so I, I have some experience with it prior to playing it, and then I I put a decent, you know, number of hours into it for for Game Club. Um, and then I have a ton of experience in the four X slash strategy slash RTS space genre like that's my jam i've been playing those games my whole life um i see this was uh, me trying to go out outside of my uh, comfort zone which is sometimes the point of game club yeah i've got a lot of thoughts about this mostly from the perspective of it took me a while to figure out what was wrong with it but i want to kind of hear your perspective first as the Maybe not the newcomer, but the relative newcomer to the genre. Okay. What were some of your thoughts? What were some of the issues you had with it? Well, I might provide a little commentary uh, well, along. The, but... what the well, I went to the tutorials first, and they taught you know the kind of rough AI, which I didn't find the AI scaling until I really started to deep dive into the uh, 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 the settings because everything was so tiny. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Uh, but it really felt like it was it was adequate for basic, you know, this is what this button does, this is what b- this button does. But it didn't touch on anything beyond that. Then I watched about a 45-minute tutorial of how to play the very beginning of the game and attempted uh, that a couple times. And pretty much every single time, either... I had nothing around me and just had a, I'm not sure of just a bad map placement. If I was misreading or the planets and stuff around me, or I just had pirates come in and wreck my shit and I was put on defensive and I could usually fight off the pirates, but they would just keep on coming. And at, you know, like the hour, some mark, uh, you know, I hadn't expanded at all. And this is a, or at least a light 4X game. And that's one of the X's. Expand, right? Yeah. And I figure... I'm, about that. Yeah, I figure... Well, I figure uh, at that point, 
Well, I'm probably so far behind, it's not even worth continuing to play. Never mind the fact that, you know, not really able to do a lot of research because, you know, I'm constantly redoing, uh, you know, ships to be able to throw out or, you know, can't really expand out to, you know, get the uh, resources in to be able to do proper research. So I've only had a handful of uh, researches. And the game doesn't really kind of... Okay, I'm going to compare this game to a more direct RTS, because that's what this is trying to do, at least partly. Uh, StarCraft is an example of them guiding at least the early game to try to show, okay, this is your basic unit, this is, you know, kind of your harasser, because it's obviously faster, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, This, it just clutters the damn menus with so many options that you can't do till who knows when. It just says, "Well, you can't build this yet because you don't have uh, this uh, building or this, or you know this uh, uh, like uh, armory or whatever." And you go to build the armory, and it says you can't build that because you don't have this research. <laughs> it's just why, right? Yeah, it just feels very cluttered to me. And after a few times of just trying to get past, you know, just setting up a small empire, I just got frustrated with it. And went to play something I could have fun with. And then rolling things over in, uh, in SnowRunner, because, right? Right. <laughs> okay. So, let's see. The game has an inadequate tutorial. It has inadequate to non-existing tooltips for things. And generally suffers from UI from... 14 years ago that's never been updated um all true and valid complaints um i this is an interesting okay so one of the ways that i engage with game club is i will play a game to completion you know whether that means actually beating it or till i'm satisfied with it and then i I will kind of think about my own opinions for my own opinions and then i'll go look at reviews and I try to find, depending on the age of the game, I try to find, you know, reviews contemporary with its release and then more modern stuff. And sometimes that's easier, sometimes more difficult, depending on what we're playing. And Sins of a Solar Empire is this weird cult classic in the way that many, <clears throat> in the way that I don't think too many cult games are. And maybe I'm just, maybe I'm wrong about this. It, you know, that, I could be wrong. But usually the cult hits are games that were kind of obscure weird games that were good or brought something really interesting and new to the table. And this does neither of those. It's, it's fine. It's a, as someone who plays games in the genre, it's mediocre. There are better examples of what this game is trying to do that do not have the same kind of cult following and have never been, have, have never reached the same levels of popularity and the only thing I can come up with for why is that of this type of game from that era, it's one of the best looking. Several of these games got a lot of mod support. The one I'm going to talk about as I think the best example of this hasn't, which sucks because it's such a better game. But for some reason, Sins of a Solar Empire got a lot of mod support. And I think that's probably what kept it relevant and made it the cult hit that it is. 
Because there's a full conversion mod for just about any major sci-fi universe that you can think of. There's the obvious Star Trek and Star Wars that exist for it. But there's EVE Online. There's Battlestar Galactica. Um, there is Stargate. Um, so quite a few sci-fi, you know, sort of full conversions exist. And some of them are just cosmetic. Some of them add mechanics to the game or completely change up things like the UI and genuinely seem to make it better and more playable doing things like simplifying the research tree or removing it altogether. Um, you know, those sorts of things, but yeah, which I did not do modded at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, modding is, is interesting and important, but I, you know, we have established, I think in prior discussions that games need to be able to stand on their own merits and modding is always a good thing, but modders shouldn't be the ones who fix the game. I mean, this is most prevalent, I think, with Bethesda games, but I think that applies across the board. You know, modders shouldn't be responsible for making the game good. So I think that's maybe the biggest reason that Sins got as popular or has remained as popular as it did. Although, I'm not sure. That's just pure speculation on my part. Sins of a Solar Empire is not okay this game is sold as a mix of a 4x and a real-time strategy game and i don't think it's either of those things 4x the 4x is you know like you said explore expand exploit exterminate the only way to win the game is extermination there's not really any exploration there are dart you know the different planets you can go to but that doesn't feel like exploration in the way that any other 4X game has exploration. Whether you're looking at a sci-fi 4X, whether you're looking at something more like Civilizations, map exploration is important to figure out the lay of the land and how you can use that to your advantage tactically or exploit using it for resources, using the local indigenous populations in the game world. Like, it just doesn't have that. It doesn't have two of the four pillars of a 4X game. And then, so, you know, no no explore, no exploit. Um, It's got expansion, and it's got extermination, but I think that you need at least three of the four p- pillars to call yourself a hybrid 4X game. And then it's not a real-time strategy game, because you don't really have any strategic control over any of your units. You you can order them around manually from star system to star system, and you can give a few very basic commands. Attack, retreat, but when you think of real-time strategy so games... Do nothing. Yeah, when you think of real-time strategy games, though, you think of being able to control, depending on the type of game, dozens to hundreds of units, assigning them different you know, attack groups using them strategically to maneuver around, you know, bog down an enemy with some tanky units and bring some fast movers in from behind. Like I'm thinking of like homeworld esque there, you know, using a capital ship or two to lock down an area and then sending your fighters and bombers and corvettes around to attack from behind. Like that tactical control is not there and there's no resource gathering or management in a traditional real time strategy way nor is there resource gathering and management in a 4X style kind of way. You just plop down things that gather, you know, that tick up a number for you. And when the number gets high enough, you can spend it on something. And technically, 
yeah, that's the same kind of resource gathering as a real-time strategy game. Both real-time strategy games, most of the time you have to manage and utilize those resources well. Protect your harvesters. Um, use them in such a way that you can maximize your resources while cutting enemies off from theirs and stuff like that. Like None of that exists in this game. It does have a tech tree, which could fall into either category of real-time strategy or 4X. It's convoluted. The tech tree is bad. The way that the game handles technology research is bad. You build different types of tech centers or civilian and military centers. And each star system can have a certain amount of each one. You can influence it a little bit based on how you develop the star system, which basically, you know, do you put more points into the military sector or into the civilian sector on the on the planet? Um, and then you have to have a certain amount of civilian and military research centers in order to advance up the tech tree. It doesn't explain this to you very well, if at all. It does not tell you that if those research centers get destroyed, you lose access to the research you've already completed. That sucks. So you can get steamrolled pretty quickly, even if you're, you know, at a formidable tech level. If you have one or two bad engagements and start losing some of your sectors that have research bases in them, you no longer have access to that research or those technologies. Which is brutal. That's brutally punishing because the early game units are hot garbage. Kind of the the way to win the game. Um, there's three factions to choose from. They are basically the same. Um, they each have sort of one or two unique units that really are still kind of the same. Um, and they have different skins, basically. But, you know, it, it's broken down into small ships, you know, I believe frigates, corvettes or frigates are the smallest ship that you can individually build and control. There are fighters and gunboats that exist, but, yeah, but they those are uh, carriers and such. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, there's small or light, you know, capital ships, large capital ships. And then you have your Titan unit, which is, you know, a massive ship with like a super weapon and some kind of special ability. Uh, all of the ships have got some amount of special abilities or ways that you can level them up and build them out. They gain experience through combat. Um, they can be rebuilt if destroyed, but they lose that experience and start from scratch. Um, so there's, there's three factions that each have two sort of branches in them that are again, you know, they're the same. They just have, might have, or uh, they have one each, you know, each branch has its own Titan. So there's six different Titan units in the game. And then each major faction, humans, and then the two alien factions have got you know one or two very small differences. But generally, any faction plays exactly the same with just a, a different skin. And what you're, the, I mean, the only way to win is to wipe out your opponent. So you are trying to rush down your Titan tree as fast as possible to unlock the Titan and then steamroll your opponent by destroying all of their planets, basically. Destroying or... or taking over all of their planets and whoever gets their titan first almost always wins there are other things that can complicate the mix depending on how many players you've added to the game ia or or human there's the pirate faction and then some random events pirates are horrible bastards in in the early game at least they're bastards in the entire game so the pirate faction basically just cheats like, I know that AI in these games cheats anyways to be able to keep up with humans, but the pirates just get ships for free. 
They don't have they don't gather any resources. They can take over planets, but it doesn't matter. They get ships at a steady rate throughout the entire game. So no matter how many you wipe out, no matter how well you defend your system, unless you find the pirate planet and destroy it, the pirates will continue to harass you at the same rate the entire game. And the pirates will spawn randomly, so there's a chance that the pirates could basically just work against you or or against any of the other AI. But, you know, if they spawn in a corner next to you, maybe behind your system in, in the corner of the map, then you're the only player that they're going to target the entire game. Unless they break through, you know, destroy your planet, break through, and get out to the rest of the map. It's terrible. I mean, you can defeat them. But if the pirates get killed, the game's like trade market goes away because it's like a black market that the pirates run. So mm. you can either have the market and deal with the pirates or you can kill the pirates for safety, but you can no longer trade resources to the bank. It's asinine. It's a stupid system. No, really. Tell me how you feel. <laughs> yeah. So I've said that this game is neither a 4X game nor a strategy game. It's bad at both of them. In order for me to kind of put all of this together in my mind, I went and played some of my favorite space real-time strategy games and space 4X games. And there's three that I'm going to kind of mention and maybe talk about a little bit that you should play, listener, if you want games that are good at what Sins of a Solar Empire is trying to do. First of all, if you want a just a straight real-time strategy game Buy the homeworld remastered collection and play homeworld one and two they are the daddy of this homeworld i went back and i played a little bit of homeworld one and two and i'm currently playing through the prequel game uh deserts of karak <clears throat> um but i mean these you know these games are the daddy of space real-time strategy games they have an amazing story Amazing soundtrack, amazing unit design. They control very well. There's a lot of strategy involved. Excellent real-time strategy game. Galactic Civilizations is the other end. I think probably one of the best 4X space games. Um, Certainly there are games that are more granular and much more in-depth than Galactic Civilizations, but Galactic Civilizations hits all four points. You know, your 4Xs is easy to learn to play, has a good tutorial, has a, you know a lot of systems to create fair and balanced gameplay it has a high skill skill ceiling it's got a low skill floor and a high skill ceiling it walks that line pretty well um and i think it's mm, i wouldn't call it the daddy of the space 4x games but it is up there among some of the best and most accessible 4x games to new new players and the game that does what Sins of a Solar Empire is trying to do that I've talked about on the show before is Sword of the Stars. Sword of the Stars is the game that should be the cult classic that Sins of a Solar Empire became because it does both aspects very well. It's got the four pillars of a 4X game. And then because they took the time to put in a separate real-time strategy layer that you can engage in when it actually comes time to do the strategy battles, you've got a full system for managing your fleet, doing tactical operations. It goes above and beyond as well. You can design your own ships. Um, it actually has a diplomacy system that works. 
Um, whereas Sins really doesn't have a diplomacy system at all. It's got a tech tree that makes sense. It's got a good tutorial. It doesn't have a story in the way that Sins of Solar Empire doesn't, but it's got a much better introduction to the universe so that you can get an idea of the history of the different factions in the game, as opposed to just like, yep, those are some humans and that's some aliens. And the different races play drastically different from each other in uh, Sword of the Stars. Um, they have There are some shared technologies. Each faction has unique technologies, however, and especially with the way that their ships navigate through space um, on the, the strategy, or not the strategy, on the 4X layer of the map. Um, all six of the races play very differently. So, Sins of a Solar Empire is just, it's very mediocre. If if you really love the genre and have somehow never played it before, I mean, if you get it for a couple bucks and you're familiar with the genre, you could play it. It will work. I didn't have any issues with glitches, cl- crashes, didn't have any weird gameplay hitches or issues on the actual technical side. It worked, and it's got a still relatively active modding community. There's a ton of mod support out there. And maybe if you browse some of the mods and you see something you want to try, it might be worth paying a few bucks for it. But it's not a very good game. Very mediocre. It just doesn't do what it says it wants to do. And 15 years ago, when there was a lot less competition and there were no examples of games that did it well yet, you know, I could see it passing as as something that's thought of better than it is. But it's a game that suffers from a lot of issues from the era in terms of design and uh, user or usability. And it just doesn't do what it sets out to. Oh, no, really. Tell me how you feel, right? <laughs> yeah. I I don't think it's terrible. It's not the worst game I've played. I don't think it's the worst game... I don't think I'd have to yeah, review the list to be sure. Well, I don't think it's the worst game from the Game Club list this year, even. Yeah, I was looking at the Game Club list, and uh, it's definitely down there because we've had some real bangers. But oh, it, 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 I might be controversial on the on my picks this year. <laughs> yeah, or at least one of them. Mm. Yeah, actually, this is towards the bottom of the list. But here's the thing. <laughs> This year's list is full of very good games. That's the thing. We have done a good job picking games this year that are solid picks. And so for a game to be, you know, mediocre causes it to fall pretty far down the list. I mean, pretty much agreed on that one. I mean, I mean, you know, the uh, list we we have, uh, we had a couple that was, uh, well, one that was just outright broken or at least for one of us, one that was just jank, and one that has eight. Well, I should say two that have aged poorly now, and that's really the bottom of the list. And everything else is uh, from good to fantastic. Yeah, I mean, this year we had Moonglow Bay, Snake Pass, Lake, Euro Truck Simulator, Final Fantasy Twelve, Hard Space Shipbreaker, The Hunter, The Pokemans, Ultra Sun and Moon, Bullet Storm, Beacon Pines, and now Sins of Solar Empire Rebellion. And well, yeah, uh, that ties us into 
the December Game Club, because I don't really have anything to add to your rant. Uh, our final one for the year will be Titanfall 2, the single player, because pretty sure that the multiplayer is kind of dead and hacky and right. Yeah. I can't. I, I don't I was going to say I, I might check it out, but I know that they had like huge problems. Is is it dead dead? Titanfall 2 multiplayer. Uh, as a let's see, this article is from September 9th of this year. Looks like. From the looks yeah, of it, not looks like there's fan made uh, servers now and that's it. Yeah, it's going to say the official multiplayer support looks like it's dead. Which this will be through Game Pass over on EA's free pass thing, whatever they're calling that these days. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I've heard very good things for years about Titanfall 2's single uh, player. Ditto on that I, one. Yeah. I uh, which, played... I th- which I think I've been spoiled on at least the major twist towards the end, but uh, just yeah. because it became a meme for for a while. Yeah. I played the original Titanfall, and I enjoyed it, although the original Titanfall was multiplayer only. It had kind of a weird story line that you could play through. Uh, on in multiplayer that pretty much died quickly because everybody played it and then nobody else ever played it. Mm-hmm. They just played the straight multiplayer matches. So, but I did enjoy the gameplay, the moment to moment gameplay. It was a really interesting, solid shooter. Um, and at the time, it was pretty inventive on consoles for how highly mobile the player character was. So, and you know, my biggest complaint was like, well, they got this cool, all this cool stuff, but no single player story. And then Titanfall Two's been out for how many years now? Four, five, ages. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't think we're going to be seeing another Titanfall though, or at least for quite a while. Yeah, they had the Titanfall mobile game, which was surprisingly good. Um, it was like a lane based, uh, oh, like a Clash Royale or whatever it was called. Like it was one of those kinds of games where you had cards that you drop down and mm-hmm. units would advance forward. It was pretty solid. I played that for a while, but that's been forever ago now. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to playing the uh, the Titanfall 2 story mode and I mean considering Respawn is now yeah doing like Jedi Survivor and Apex Legends. Yeah. Uh, I I don't expect to see another Titanfall. It'd be nice, but eh. yeah. So you ready to to move on to the rest of the show? I think so. Okie dokie. So our first news story, I rearranged the topics and fixed the community core stuff while we were talking. So our f- first news story um, is uh, Valve requests the Steam Deck user to return the turkey fryer. Yeah, now it's... Okay, so there's going to be two links in this. One to the original Reddit post that the article is based on. And it sounds more like Valve accidentally got this guy's turkey fryer than the other way around. Uh, that the article kind of puts it. Because uh, uh, they have an email here saying, Hi there, it appears we received a turkey fryer along with your Steam Deck return. We're sending the turkey fryer back to you. <laughs> so, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think the person that wrote this honestly pretty quick, but a down and dirty article 
didn't really catch that, or may have just uh, worried this a little weirdly. So, uh, essentially, this guy, or dude, or whatever, uh, whatever nomenclature you want to use, sent their uh, Steam Deck in for a repair, or, or just a return, I'm not sure which. And their turkey fryer that they seemed to ordered <laughs> got picked up and sent to Valve. Yeah. Uh, it, and it, it's not exactly a small package either, so I, I imagine it just, you know, it, it got just set uh, together and I don't know why they got, how they got stuck together, but, right? Yeah. I mean, I used to, I, you know, I mentioned this before we started recording. I worked in shipping for, for quite a while when I was in high school and in uh, the first couple of years of college. And sometimes, you know, something just gets misplaced or mislabeled. Stuff winds up in places it's not supposed to be or, you know, somebody sits something somewhere to move it. And you come along with a shipping label and slap it on the box because oh, it's in the pile, which means that it goes to this guy, right? So sometimes weird stuff like that happens. It's not so far out of the realm of possibility, but it just is interesting and weird, you know? Funny, though. It was really confusing. Like, we weren't recording when you showed this to me. And just my initial, like, what? Like, confused, you know, confused face. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've seen packages I've ordered uh, zigzag across the entire United States. There, there, I don't recall exactly what it was. I want to say it was like a computer part that I was needing uh, uh, you know, years and years and years ago. Uh, it started off in like Washington, went uh to like Illinois or Ohio or somewhere in that area, went back to like California, <laughs> went down to Texas, came back up to uh, Ohio, got shipped out again to, <laughs> down to Florida. I mean, it basically uh, uh hit like forty of the <laughs> lower forty eight uh, by the end of it. Yeah. Which I imagine, yo, uh, the, if I recall correctly, like the label was smudged or something whenever I uh, finally got it, which that would do it, right? Yeah. And just somebody saw, uh, yo, uh, the scanner kicks it back and uh, then it's manually checked and, oh, it goes here and it gets kicked back again, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I definitely could see how could th- this could happen. And it's just. <laughs> It's so weird. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, the fact that... Right? Yeah. Just It's just a, a nice, lighthearted, fun story. We've got, but, but we've got also, a real tragic one in here tonight, so... Yeah, but also... Well, well possible tragic here, because... Uh, who buys an indoor turkey fryer? That, that, that's, a, that's a tragedy just waiting to happen. True. Uh, although it does say... Uh, it only does up to a 14-pound turkey, which good luck finding one that small these days. Shit, I mean, unless you're getting, like, a turkey breast, it seems like uh, everything's, like, you know, 16, 17 pounds. Yeah, our our turkey this year was 19 pounds. Our turkey was a chicken. Yeah. I mean, you could do a chicken in a small small turkey fryer. Uh, True, or a hell of a lot of fries. Yeah. Or a hell of a lot of fries. 
I mean, the thing is that, yeah, just, you know, didn't need a full-on turkey this year because, you know, it's just the two of us, so. Yeah. We did ham and turkey since there were, you know, I think there were 14 of us here for Mm -hmm. House Thanksgiving. The nine of us that lived here plus a few, few others. So, but yeah, I, frying a turkey, deep frying a turkey is one of those things that it's like, if you take proper precautions, it's not dangerous at all. But if you don't take proper precautions, if you just throw it in there, you know, if you're like, yeah, I'm going to deep fry turkey, how hard can it be? You will burn your house down. Uh, well, the big thing is, uh, you got to get that oil level right. Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of people just, you know, think of it as a, you know, just like a tabletop deep fryer. Uh, now, to be fair, a lot of these uh, deep fryers for turkeys, they take gallons and gallons of oil. Yeah. So, uh, they'll think of it as, you know, oh, it's just going to be like this uh, little deep fryer I got. And you just fill it up and, yeah, you know, throw your, uh, you know, your, uh, your chicken tendies and the dino nuggies, right? Absolutely. But, but the thing you is that... Best dino nuggies that way. But, but the thing is that there's so much displacement compared to uh, in a turkey fryer compared to the other type that it'll just bubble up or you know, overflow and down or even worse people don't completely defrost their turkey yep which reacts quite badly uh, quite violently yeah you get that huge release of steam and then the oil bubbles over, and most people do them over an open flame, which is fine. Again, if you take proper precautions, it's fine. Well, it's well, not that's dangerous. The, well, that's the propane ones as well. It's that you know, it's essentially just a propane burner at the base of a, a big vat of oil. Uh, this one is an electric indoor one, which feels dangerous. Yeah, I should deep fry a turkey. I've got a big cooking vat in my. Uh, in my garage, somebody, uh, I think it was actually my dad gave it to me. I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this, but I'm going to keep it. Cause it's probably really expensive to buy one. <laughs> I uh, think which it's, is, which is like, uh, your parents, uh, big thing of this is really expensive. They don't want it. Right. Yeah. That is their thing. I, I mean, it's, it's huge. I want to say it's like 20 gallons. Like it's massive. I, I, mean, I, I remember. Huh? Uh, go ahead. Uh, go I, ahead. I remember being like a teenager the the like, you know, the last time I I regularly went to a church cuz my parents made me go and they would take it to like these church functions and make, mm-hmm. you know, giant vats of chili or whatever to feed everybody at Christmas or Thanksgiving, you know, everybody who came for the play or whatever. Like that's that's what it's from and when when my, I stopped going and then later my dad stopped going to church. He was like, yeah, I don't need this anymore. But I mean, I would imagine it's, you know, maybe a hundred bucks to buy something like that. So I just keep it. It's, I mean, it's just a big metal vat with a lid. It'll get used one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my biggest stock pot, it's 20 quarts. So, right. Yeah. Which is five gallons. Oh, sorry, four gallons. So nowhere near that big, but it definitely uh, is useful for, you know, making stock. So, yeah, uh, now that we've completely 
transcended <laughs> gaming to cooking once again as we do. Yeah. You ready for the next one? Uh, I think so. I mean, there's not a lot more here to talk about outside of, oh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, time to get uh, be sad. Well, we're not going to be sad just yet. Uh, our next news topic. Oh, oh, oh happy times. We're, we're saving the sadness for last. Well, that's kind of how it works out, because we always do Community Corner last. Do you want to switch a Uh, nah. Uh, we'll, we'll let Jim uh, be terrible to us. Okay. So our next news topic, a loot box bill is filed in Australia. Woo! Woo! Yay! So what the bill seeks to do is to amend or add to the Australian Classification Board uh, rules that require the board give any game with loot boxes their R18 plus rating um, or to be able to refuse to classify them entirely, meaning they can't be sold in Australia, uh, to keep kids from purchasing and playing games with loot boxes. I mean, that's that's what they say to keep kids. It mm-hmm. you know, is also helpful for anybody who struggles with gambling or addiction-related issues. Because uh, it would highlight, you know, Games that uh, have loot boxes so that people are that have those issues could just avoid them. Yep. Or be sad that, oh, uh, that, that that limits me to, like, two AAA games this year, right? Yeah. So, now, you, you were talking about this, I think, before we started recording as well. I'm not sure if Craig was on or not yet. But you were saying that they almost never classify yeah. games with the R18+. Well, 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 I shouldn't say never. But they tend to, at least they used to, whenever uh, the R18 Plus was put into place, they would just, you know, not use it and just ban a game, essentially. Because in order for a, uh, a major game, I should be, I should state, to be sold in Australian stores, it has to be rated. And if it gets refused uh, ratings, well, it's not going to be sold in stores, so, all right. Yeah, you can still buy it digitally, technically. Uh, although there are times that Australia kind of cracks down on that one. I, I, uh, RimWorld was a one, uh, the latest one I recall. It basically got its re- rating revoked at one point because of drug-related stuff in the game, because it, it showed it showed drug use in a positive light, if I recall correctly, and it had to get uh, basically re-reviewed. And because it lost its rating, uh, it was actually pulled from the Steam store for a while. Yeah. But that that was this year, I think, if I recall correctly. I don't, I don't remember. Lots happened this year, both in the, in the world and in my personal life. Like, things are just kind of a blur for this year. But, yeah, I mean, I wish, you know, you and I, it's been a while since we've had a good talk about... It was, it was back in March. Okay. So right about the time I was getting ready to move, which would explain why I have no memory of that event. But yeah, it's been a while since we've had a good discussion on loot boxes, just because like some of the other topics that keep recurring in the games industry, it's just we we had nothing new to say because our positions didn't change. You know, loot boxes are bad in the way that they're done as a mechanic. They're not inherently bad. But companies, especially AAA companies, but generally lots of companies, exploited them to take advantage of, yes, children, but also, you know, adults with addiction-related issues or with, you know, poor financial habits or with, you know, just that general FOMO, you know, fear of missing out on something and would use that to 
tweak and essentially ruin games by destroying their progression, trying to funnel people into this into spending money. I mean, the last uh, uh, uh shoot, now the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, uh, games, uh, Shadow of Mordor had to have its completely uh, have its third act completely redone when they removed the microtransactions. You can't uh, do that and tell me that they don't uh, factor into the gameplay, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, not- people people are going to try, mostly companies, big, you know, executives at companies. They're going to try to tell you that, but, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I was uh, flipping through, uh, well, just using Google to uh, with uh, Australia refuses game classification. And one of our Game Club games is actually on this list from this year. Oh, uh, uh, Lake. Really? Yeah, because of drug use. Because of that one scene, right? Which one scene? Uh, the the stoners. Oh, in the right, right, right. I I honestly almost forgot or had entirely forgotten about those guys. But yeah, no, they're the ones that you get the RV from. Yeah, but yeah, so it does definitely happen, and for some very arbitrary reasons, and even to this day. Yeah. I mean, uh, Disco Elysium was reviewed classification. Uh, and there's totally not a reason why I'm uh, randomly bringing up uh, Disco Elysium. <laughs> nope. No reason at all. Nothing to see here. Don't uh, don't kick over that stone. Leave it unturned. But yeah, I mean, loot boxes are bad. And you and I have wanted regulation against them since the beginning. For years, you know, we've talked about it. So it feels good to see another place put some regulation in place. Because there's been a, a, a couple, couple, three European countries that put regulation in place. Um, it's been discussed at the EU sort of top level. And then Australia has had, yeah, they had that inquiry a couple of years ago. And there were talks about doing something. And now it's finally worked its way in to do something at a, a governmental regulatory level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wish that governments didn't have to get involved in this shit, but they do because corporations are going to take everything. You know, the whole thing of like, oh, you give an inch, they'll take a mile. Like if you give an inch, they'll take the goddamn measuring stick <laughs> and then beat you to death with it and steal your wallet. So fuck them. I don't think I've played a game that has loot boxes in it in a year, two years, maybe. I don't play mobile games anymore, really. Every yeah, time I same. think about playing one, I look at it and it's like, oh, this is just some mobile trash that's full of loot boxes. I mean, the, the closest I get is there's the shout machine in Splatoon, but that's just a daily thing. And it's just uh, uh, in-game currency. And there's no gameplay bonuses to it at all. Yeah. Which, considering uh, Splatoon has no microtransactions in it at all, they're about to do a major update. Yeah. Uh, it's about the most inoffensive you could get with a, uh, a AAA shooter. Outside of the whole, you know, Nintendo Network thing. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think that sort of loot box mechanics in games can be a good thing 
from a gameplay perspective. If you use them in ways that serve as sort of fine, like in-game currency sinks. Lots of games, RPGs. And, that, and, and that's exactly what this is, is it's in-game currency sink. Yeah. For cosmetic items. Or the the closest it gets you to getting power is it allows it it's one of the methods to get food tickets, which gives a bonus to experience or money. But there's other ways to get it other ways to get it hell of a lot cheaper, hell of a lot faster. Yeah. Uh and honestly, even leveling up, it doesn't really do much outside of um, making uh, purchasing some weapons cheaper, which, right? Yeah, L- lots of video games benefit from having currency sinks in them. All MMOs benefit from this because naturally, over time, the inflation that occurs in an, in an MMO, the the be- one of the best ways to deal with it in a digital environment is to just remove currency from the system in a way that you can't do in a real world economy. So something that's like, for example, you know, using in-game gold, like WoW gold, you know, like I, I know that they have added actual loot boxes because fuck Blizzard. But, you know, in, in, a, in a more perfect, less bullshit world, like maybe one way to use that is, you know, it costs you 50 gold to to use the, you know, the, the loot box slot machine to get old, uh, you know, older cosmetic items or older like seasonal items and okay, it's just I, I would think I would think like the old uh you know uh crafting materials it's a bitch to farm otherwise yeah those are all you know all good ways that provide some benefit to the player that don't ruin you know your your meta game balance they're just fun ways that people can spend their in-game currency and remove it from the system and then in a lot of single player games, it, there needs to be a currency sink as well. Most RPGs that have like housing mechanics, that's what they serve as a way to spend your, you know, your earned gold or whatever the, the game's currency is to spend that. So you're not running around with, you know, a hundred thousand meaningless gold in your inventory or whatever. And in game loot box mechanics can be used to serve as a gold sink. And in a single player game, like, fuck it, you know? Put whatever you want in those boxes. Just don't charge real money for them. Use them as a way to reward players for their time spent playing the game with interesting or unique items, be they cosmetic or otherwise. Um, You know, that's good. But as soon as you adjust your game balance to incentivize people to spend real money on it, then it becomes insidious, you know, hurtful garbage. Agreed. <laughs> I mean... That's uh, what capitalism does. People... <laughs> Or unregulated capitalism. I mean, that's yeah, unregulated right? capitalism. Or, or you end up with what Twitter's becoming, right? <laughs> that's a whole other topic. Fuck, uh, what, fucking what, 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 idiot. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to talk about that at some point, aren't we? Do you know who Adam Conover is? Not offhand. The th- two things that he's most well known for was he was on College Humor for a long time back in the early to mid 2010s. And then he got a TV show called Adam Ruins Everything. He's a very science-minded person. Um, very interested in research and debunking things. And 
Um, he's gotten popular enough now that he supports himself entirely on Patreon, and he's now just, uh, I guess the best way to say it is unmuzzled. He's always been snarky and very witty, but now he says fuck a lot. And he he put out a video last week? Might have been two weeks ago. I'll I'll look it up and I'll link it to you. Where he uh, basically just calls Elon Musk a fucking moron for 10 minutes. There's some <laughs> other billionaires he calls stupid as well. It's a 20 minute video, but Elon Musk is like half of it. Where that he, you know, lays lays out the stuff where that Elon has has lied about his history, which we all know. Well, actually, lots of people don't know it. There are lots of Elon Musk simps, but what 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 you mean, Elon Musk? Uh, uh, didn't uh, you know squeeze all the uh, fortune from rocks in uh, South Africa? Yeah. Oh wait. Uh, oh wait. He did that with uh, his uh, emerald mine. He got yeah emerald. his his inherited emerald mine. That from from his family, his inherited millions or billions of dollars. He did the only, I think, the only one of his companies that he, he's attached to that he actually founded or co-founded was PayPal, and then he sold it off. They, I mean, basically, they kicked him out, so he sold off his share, and then he bought into SpaceX and he bought Tesla. Actually, I think he founded the Boring Company, which is financially untenable. He's just a bad business boy. But because he has billions of dollars that started as his, his family money, he's, it's basically impossible for him to fail because he's got too much money. Mm -hmm. Anyways, yeah. Uh, I've seen some of the... Have you seen the uh, the tunnel in Las Vegas that's full of Teslas? Yeah. Uh, that that looks like such a death trap, doesn't it? Where that they where that they go like thirty miles an hour? No, no, no. The videos I've seen, they're like five miles an hour because uh, they're a, a traffic jam under traffic Las jam Vegas. under Las Vegas. Yeah, and if one of those Teslas yeah catches on fire, wrecks and it, you know kind of catches on fire, that's a death trap because it, the doors are just so close to the walls of that tunnel. It makes you wonder just how the fuck that's allowed, right? Yep. Because he's got a bunch of money. And he definitely does what he's doing, right? I mean, he carried a sink into Twitter headquarters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways, you ready to go go talk about our last? Yeah. Uh, time to bring us down, right? Yep. So let's talk about our final sad news story of the night in the community corner. Uh, slightly editor editorialized title, just because it's very long, the actual title, but, uh, Russian agents killed three cosplayers. Well, alleged cosplayers, we should say this one, because there's not hard evidence. There's a blurred out photo that definitely looks like uh, a cosplay, uh, emblem. Yeah. But, right? Yeah, well, see, Russian state... Okay, so Russia controls this the media it's a state-run media and this and if the russian state-run media is saying that they're cosplayers i actually believe that because i don't know why they would say that if initially the belief was that they were ukrainian special forces or soldiers or something along those lines mm -hmm. like i feel like if regardless of whether or not they were cosplayers i feel like they would be saying 
it it was the Ukrainians because yeah. they would want to propagandize that. So the fact yeah, that I guess, I, saying, I guess I'm just very hesitant, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it could be all bullshit. Like, take anything that the Russians say. Really, take anything that any media outlet says with a grain of salt. Verify everything. And, like, double, triple do that if possible with, like, state-run media outlets. But I don't know why they would be lying about them being cosplayers. I could see them lying about them being Ukrainian soldiers. But I don't know why they would lie about them being cosplayers. But I I don't know that to be factual anyways but anyway yeah so uh, do we have any details about what they were doing outside of just you know getting shot by the russians reading the articles it seems like these guys were part of a um airsoft group oh and it doesn't unless i missed it it didn't say they were specifically headed to or from an event but that could be a possibility. I mean, it also could just be that they were practicing or that they were, you know, wearing their gear around or whatever. But towards the bottom of the insider article linked to us by Jim, um, where is it here? It says an unnamed member of the local airsoft fan group told the paper, oh God, uh, Stalker Fosny. I apologize for butchering that person's name, was an anarchist and a rebel who supported Ukraine. He was banned many times from games due to rules violations. Um, so, you know, whether or not that specific statement is true or not, who knows, but that's what made me think that they were dressed up for an airsoft event. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense, you know, uh, especially with the world of Stalker. Yeah. And I will say, I don't, I don't want to give any credence or, you know, make it sound like I am condoning the actions of the Russian FSB agents who killed these people, but airsoft weapons or like airsoft airsoft guns can look insanely realistic, um, especially, especially yeah. ones that you've got for actual you know events and competitions. Lots of times they don't paint barrels orange or you know in other ways indicate that they are not real weapons. So. It is it it seems plausible to me that, you know, three sort of dude bros who are into airsoft put on all their gear and either went to an event or went to go practice and had their weapons out and a trigger happy, you know, Russian uh, FSB agent saw them and either and started some shit or just shot first and asked questions later. Uh, especially uh, this uh it happened a hundred ish miles from the Ukrainian border as well. Yeah. So, uh, th- that's kind of far into Russia to you know, still be wearing your uniform, right? Yeah. So that makes me think trigger happy shot first, uh, then ask questions, especially if, you know, uh, looking at some of the airsoft stuff, you know, there's obviously uh, a, a fair number of them with the orange tip. But that is very easy to miss if, you know, that gun is held just right, huh? Yeah. Like and slung seen... over the, uh, like a rifle slung over the shoulder, that sort of thing. Yeah, and lots of them, you know, players will remove the orange tips or paint over them, which, mm-hmm. at least in the United States, is is typically illegal, especially if you're going to brandish them anywhere other than a range or an official event. So, 
Mm-hmm. I, I would assume that there's similar legislation in other parts of the world. Yeah, but it's also Russia. It is also Russia. For a while, I got pretty interested in Airsoft and watched a number of Airsoft YouTubers, one of whom was Russian. And uh, he he always painted his guns bright neon colors. <laughs> and he was like, you know, it's bad for camouflage, but it usually means that nobody asks me too many questions or, you know, pulls a gun on me. Except, you know, he had a Russian accent, which I can't really do. I mean, it's incredibly sad that uh, this happened, obviously. Yeah. I mean, with just tensions so high in that part of the world, I definitely could see, you know, somebody thinking, oh, I'm going to get a promotion, you know, uh, you know, an extra thing of vodka. Right. Get some extra vodka, <laughs> a few extra rubles. An extra potato. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, seriously, I could see somebody thinking they're going to be, you know, some sort of war hero, uh, take out you know, uh, this group of uh, Ukrainians that uh, breached uh, Mother Russia, right? Yeah. Do and we know first and a- asking questions later? Uh, do we know what? Do we know anything about these people? Like, no, how uh, old they are? Uh, no, it doesn't really say anything in either article because we have a secondary article that I found that uh, I was going to have. Then I checked the sources or yeah, you know, checked our stuff and saw Jim posted one as well. It just, you know, talks about uh, three uh, uh, people killed uh, like that and doesn't say ages or anything. So it is also possible that they were kids. Yeah. So I just went to the original Russian Mm -hmm. Times or Moscow Times article. It's translated into Mm -hmm. English. So, you know, I'm just like quickly skimming skimming through this. Yes, by the Googles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, uh, the the Gamer article, or sorry, Game Rant article that we have uh, says they're 155 miles away from the Ukraine border, while the Business Insider one that Jim linked to says 125. So I'm not sure if one is like, you know, more exact, while the other one is like the general area, or, you know, general state, or whatever Russia has as their, you know, equivalent of states, I should say. Yeah. Yep, the the Moscow Times article doesn't say anything about the about them either. Yeah, uh it says uh, it has identified two of the three deceased airsoft players. I guess I just missed it on this other one. While not sympathetic to Vladimir Putin's incumbent uh government or merely cosplayers who uh, occasionally dress up as stalkers from the titular uh video game series citing social media profiles one, uh, Vladimir Kozlowski and Stalker Fuzgen, so, uh, from the sources from the local uh, airsoft community. Yeah. I wonder if we could find them and get an approximate age. Because, right? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it really sucked if it was just a couple kids, huh? Yeah. Especially if they were actual, you know, kids, like teenagers mm-hmm. or something. I mean, really. No matter how old they are, yeah, it's, Stalker Fuskin is one of them that died. Yeah, doesn't say anything about. Yeah, I'm not getting anything. I mean, it, it, yeah, state media, right? Yeah, I'm looking one more. Continue doesn't have any information. Yeah, I'm gonna keep looking later. I'm not gonna spend any more time on this right now, but I'm gonna keep looking later. 
to see if I can find more information. I mean, no matter what, it's it's a tragedy no matter what. You know, if these are mm-hmm. you know, teenagers or 20-somethings or 30-somethings or, you know, someone older, doesn't matter. You know, these people were just enjoying their hobby and they were shot and killed over it. That sucks. Um, you know, if it turns out to be something more, you know, different, if actually it is related to Ukraine or if this is some weird cover up for something else, it still sucks. Like three people died because of a senseless, stupid conflict. Mm-hmm. It or sucks. Three all the more, way I guess you should say, right? Yeah. Three, three more people have died as a result of this asinine bullshit conflict. And I know that, you know, me saying that doesn't change anything about the way that the world is. There will always be stupid conflicts, and I wish that there weren't. But we can honor them the best that we can, the best that we can for anybody else. And I I suppose it looks different for different people, but, you know, it just sucks. Sometimes life is like that. Fragile. Terrible. Yeah, I do wonder, since at least two of them were pro-Ukraine, if that, you know, kind of factored into it as well. Possibly. It makes me think that they're a bit younger as well. So, shall we move on? Yeah, I mean, really, the the only thing to move on to is kind of, I guess, closing up the show, mm-hmm. which... Unless you want to doobly-do. I am on the fence. It's a little early compared to when we normally are, are pulling up to end. But I wouldn't mi- I'm tired and I wouldn't mind a shorter one. Yeah, you're also I could pumpkin. be convinced. Yeah. Uh, well if you need convincing then it's probably not, right? Yeah. So how can people send us stuff in community corner? Well you could do so by tweeting us VGL podcast on the Twitter as long as that hasn't burnt down completely yet. Uh, you can drop by the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Or you can just email us, vglpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. So, hey, Rage, why don't you uh, hit him with them socials of yours? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, once again, until it burns down completely, which could be any day now. It, it, it's This has been the most exciting reality show I've ever seen. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, gaming with CR, or you could drop by Steam and make me a friend over there. Caffeine Rage, and you've been? I've been Jared. Uh, you can find me on Twitter until it burns down at JMA4707. You can find me sometimes on the Twitch streams of twitch.tv slash runic arts, where I run a Vampire the Masquerade campaign for them every every couple weeks or so. And then you can uh, find me on our Discord channel, or you can be my friend on Steam by sending a friend request to jarthur4707. And going all the way back up to the top, uh, once again, you can contact us via podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, tweet them to us via podcast, or drop at the Discord, which you can find a link to that, over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this all possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at incomputate.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. 
Bye-bye.